Welcome to the Abiding Word with Pastor Jim Swigert of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jim is teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now let's join Pastor Jim for today's Abiding Word. Good morning once again. <laughs> oh, Merry Christmas. What a blessing it is to be here this morning, and what a blessing to hear our kiddos. I love it when kids open up the scripture and they read, and um, certainly reading from Luke chapter 2. By the way, that's where we're going to be at this morning, Luke chapter 2. And uh, again, a blessing to hear them sing to the Lord and of the Lord and to read the scriptures regarding uh, the historical written account of the birth of the Savior. Remember, it was the, the angel speaking to Mary who said, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And as you and I know, we, we understand that it has always been God's plan to send the Messiah, to send his son to be a savior. If he wanted him to be a doctor, he would have sent a doctor. If he wanted a lawyer, he'd send a lawyer. But man needs a savior. And he sent his son Jesus. And I'm reminded in Galatians chapter 4. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sins. And remember when the angel spoke to uh, Mary, or Joseph, um, it was time to be fulfilled. It was, it was time to come. It was God's time for his son to come. And it's, it's marvelous, isn't it? It's very significant that God is so much in control that at the right time that he saw fit, he sent the Messiah. Now, as we come to Luke chapter 2 then, we're going to look at many details, but we're going to focus on verses 7 through 20 this morning. Uh, Excuse me, 7 through verse 38 this morning. And so, why don't we just pray? Father, we thank you for your word, and Lord, uh, as we read of the shepherds, and we read of the angels, and... Lord, we see that as they told others, that they marveled. They were in amazement that you revealed to them the birth of your son. And Lord, 2,000 plus years later, here we are. And I pray, Lord, that we would be marveled, that we would stand amazed, Lord, that you would do something that you've done. And, Lord, that there would be great joy in our hearts, knowing that we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, that we would embrace the true meaning of Christmas. Lord, we're so blessed, and we thank you. So speak to each one of our hearts, Lord. And, Lord, I pray if there's one here today that has never confessed Jesus as Lord, if they've never asked you for forgiveness of their sin, that today would be today. For this is the reason why you have sent your son, that people would be forgiven of their sin and be brought into a right relationship with you. 
So we trust, Lord, by your Holy Spirit that you work in our hearts, that you would be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in Luke chapter 2, we have the historical account of the birth of Jesus. In verse 7 it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And so this is good news, amen? This would have been uh, really good news in that day for the Savior was born. But when you think about news today, how many watch the news still? It's okay. It's, it's not a sin. You might get discouraged, but it's not a sin. It might make you a little stir-crazy, but, um, you know, we need good news in the world that we live in. Israel at this time, they needed good news. It was 400 years before they'd received revelation from God between the Old Testament and what we read in Matthew. 400 years. And so they were in need of good news, as we know they were under the rule of Rome and all. But uh, we live in a world, as we know, that is so full of chaos and hate and corruption. And we're just waiting on the Lord to come. Amen? But uh, I read where a wife said to her husband, Shall we watch the 6 o'clock news and get indigestion? Or should we wait for the 11 o'clock news and get insomnia? Another said, it's been said that evening news is where they begin with good evening, and then they tell you why it, why it isn't. <clears throat> it's pretty much the news uh, for today. But the Christmas story that we read of here in Luke, it's, it's not only good news, it's the best news, because it's the best gift ever. It's the greatest message that man could ever receive uh, from God or from anyone. And the good news proclaimed by angel of the Lord. Now, I always like to think, if I was God, and I'm not, and neither are you, nor do we ever become God, but if we had this great plan of redemption for mankind, what would you have come up with? We'd probably talk about just snapping our fingers and the world would be right, right, and we'd just go on. But God, in his infinite wisdom, sent his son to be born into this world born the Holy Spirit, Mary, and to make this great announcement. And a few years ago, we went to a live nativity scene, and uh, where actually, you know, they were reenacting all this that we read in Luke. It wasn't really a nativity scene. But they really highlighted the angel proclaiming the good news. And that's always stuck with me. Because we read this, you know, we read this, our kids share it with us and all, and we can really miss out in marveling over the story not just a story, the reality, historical account of the birth of our Savior. But God in his infinite wisdom, as we read in verse 8, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now, it always amazes me, and I, I, sh- I know I shared this last year. The shepherds, you know, the shepherds, they weren't um, the most well-respected in the culture. In fact, they weren't really honest people. Uh, they stole things. They didn't, you know, went too often. They took a bath, and uh, they were shepherds. They took care of sheep. 
and um, they had a bad reputation, mostly living as outcasts in society. And it's the Lord reveals the birth of his son to shepherds. The fact that God chose to reveal the Savior to the shepherds remind us that God oftentimes shares or chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the things of the wise, or to the world to shame the wise, delighting to pour out his grace upon the outcast. We see that all through scriptures. And a part of our marveling today, and as we celebrate tomorrow, we celebrate the 25th, the birth of Christ, is that he did it for us. And it should never, ever get old. You know, I went back and looked at this time of year. I always go back, keep all my messages, and I go back and read over these. And man, it's, they're all outdated now. But um, uh, you just think of all the commercialization of Christmas. And it goes so much deeper than that now, doesn't it? I mean, the culture, the world has its focus off God so much. And uh, we're living with, with the uh, consequences of that. But it should never take away, just as the shepherds, you think about them shepherding the sheep out in, as it says, the country there. It's not like they had street lights to help them shepherd those sheep. It was dark. And it reminds me that God is light, and he shines his light on the darkness. And that's something you and I, when we think about Christmas, we always have with us because Jesus came. God is always going to shine his light in the midst of darkness. We, we never have to fear that we're going to be so overcome by darkness that we won't be able to see the light. That's nowhere found in the scripture. God will always shine his light. And as we oftentimes think and say around here, you know, the days that we're living in, if the church can't be light today, we're in trouble because it's very dark out there. Nor are we without hope. You know, we're never without hope. Just as John prayed this morning, as we've been praying, great joy of believers today. This is our greatest witness that we have to a lost and dark world is the joy that we have in Christ Jesus. We are the people of hope. And isn't it interesting that God used these shepherds, they were going to be instruments of hope. Let's look at verse 10. Now, I think about them being afraid. All I can say about that now is who wouldn't be afraid? When you think about the light, the angel bringing this, you know, getting ready to say what he says here, who wouldn't be afraid? Anybody afraid of the dark? Thank you for you honest people. (laughs) You know, when when it's dark, there's all kinds of things that can run through your mind. You know, when I was a kid, I was always afraid of the dark because anytime I got in the dark, I thought of rats. That's not a Christmas message there. <laughs> but you know, all kinds of things in the dark. My point being, who wouldn't be afraid of this angel, this light, the glory of God shining, and it's like these shepherds in the darkness has light. And verse 10 says, Then the angel said to them, Now, Who wouldn't be afraid when they hear an angel speak? Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, 
which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So here is the great proclamation, the good tidings, the good news, the good piece of news. And here's really essentially the first evangelist telling of Jesus. Great joy. Now when I chew on that great joy, I think about the joy from God. From God's perspective. Let's, let's chew on this. God's perspective. Having created the universe, having created man, having already planned the way of salvation, planned redemption, even before the foundation of the world. And here God, with great joy, the day has come that he has promised. The day has come that he said, he told the prophets, this is going to happen. And then this happens. So it's kind of neat to think about great joy from God. You know, the Bible tells us, you know, in John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You can read with me that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Great joy to the people. And it's great joy that we have. You know, again, the big picture uh, of you know, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, it talks about that God took great pleasure in the, in the, for Jesus, his son, to dwell in bodily form. So Jesus, or obviously God having infinite wisdom and knows all things, and he understood by sending his son, redemption was going to be given to man. And he had great joy. He had great joy that his son Jesus would dwell in bodily form, meaning he's God, right? Emmanuel, God with us. He took great joy in that, great pleasure that he was going to go to the cross and die for our sin. And the people, great joy to the people. We sing joy to the world. And because of the gospel, good news, Jesus came, the Lord has come. We do have great joy. Uh, He rules the world. I like that phrase. But I also understand if you read the lyrics. How many actually read the lyrics to these Christmas carols? Now, all of you raise your hand because I know you do. But when you chew on it, you understand joy to the world. Jesus came, but we also are looking even past the time now. There's going to be a day. Right now, Jesus is not ruling the world. He's in control of the world. But Paul said, Satan is the god of this world, little g, blinding those from seeing the light, blinding those to see the truth. But we understand there's going to be complete joy in the world when Jesus Christ is reigning supreme on his throne. John 1, 14 tells us, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace in truth. This is the time that we're living in now, a time of grace. A time period where it's all up to God when that last Gentile is, is saved and then we'll move on in God's time period. But right now we're in the time of grace. We're in the time, the church age, where the gospel is to go forth and the power of the Holy Spirit where God is bringing people into the kingdom of God. And so great joy to the people. And what about the angels? 
I mean, we understand that angels are created beings. But from an angel's perspective, and I really can't tell you what that would be, but just to chew on this, you know, having seen heaven and seeing God's plan throughout time come to fruition and seeing now the Savior born. Great joy coming from the angels as they're seeing the fulfillment of the promise of the Messiah coming to this earth. Verse, 12 to, or verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David. Now, we understand from the book of Micah, the prophet there tells us that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So when, when the angel here is said, day in the city of David, it's pointing to this, this is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is Lord. The word Christ in Greek, as you know, a form of the Hebrew word Messiah, means anointed ones. God special anointing on him. The, the Savior coming for God's people. He's the Christ, the Lord. Verse 12, And this will be a sign to you, and you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. The shepherds were told that the Savior would be found in these swaddling, uh, swaddling cloths, in a manger. And how fascinating is this when you chew on this, that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, Christ the Lord, stepped out of heaven, became a human being, and was born in a manger. And it's interesting when you think about the cloth that was wrapped around him, you know, torn to be wrapped around him. The body of Jesus would be torn for, for you and I. And, you, you know, <clears throat> how fascinating this would have been for the shepherds. i got to believe they had some uh, mind of the scriptures, Remember, it was a long time, several hundred years before there was revelation from God to his people. But they had, they had the scriptures, right? They had the prophets. They uh, prophesying of, uh, you know, reading that, that the Messiah would come. They had some kind of mindset of this, some kind of knowledge of it. But when you think about the Messiah come, as we understand the apostles and uh, certainly the Jewish religious leaders, they, they didn't see the Messiah coming as a baby born in a manger. And again, it's fascinating that our God would bring redemption to man through this little baby being born of the Holy Spirit, Mary giving birth in a manger. That's not the type of thing that you would put to mind the king of the world coming to earth. You think of royalty, some other way, certainly not this way, but this is what God did. Not exactly, again, that what we would think of a Savior coming. Verse 13, and suddenly, I love that, and suddenly, as if not all this was already a lot, and then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill, toward men. So as the angel finishes here giving the good news, all of a sudden the multitude of angels, the host of heaven, begin to worship the Lord. And here we have the first Christmas carol. <laughs> With great joy coming from the heavenly host, praising God, 
giving God glory. And this is the response to the birth of the Savior. Glory to God in the highest. You know, that's interesting and important that we have correct interpretation of verse 14 here. Some commentators put it this way. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace towards men of goodwill. Or glory to God in the highest and peace among men with whom he is pleased. And then peace to men on whom his favor rests. When you think about peace, we understand that we live in a world today that is not at peace, right? You have nations against nations. We have wars going on. We have society and culture that is certainly not at peace. It's, we have a lot of division. But we understand the peace that Jesus offers is not talking about those things. Remember Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 tells us, For unto us a child is born, unto us a child for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The peace is, of God is not something that we try to work for or that somehow we attain. The peace that comes from God is a peace that he offers. Paul said Jesus is our peace. It's a spiritual peace. That leads on to other blessings for sure. But think about when we think about the peace that comes from God and that fact that we cannot earn it. And this is so vital when we think about the Savior being born and the celebration that we have at this time. Think about Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And we, we know this scripture. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the what? The gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then what about John chapter 14, verse 27? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then what about John chapter 16, verse 33? These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be a good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's a, one of my favorite scriptures, John 16, 33. Because it reminds me, in this world that we live in, we're not expected to have peace. The peace that the Prince of Peace gives to us is a peace with God. And when we have peace with God, we can experience the peace that comes from God. It's a powerful thing. But it goes back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. We must receive the gift that God gives to us. If I try to work for this, peace, I'm going to always be working for it and trying to please God. That's why it's important that we rightly interpret verse 14 in Luke chapter 2. It's not we don't work for, for that peace. So we have the angels here that are proclaiming this peace 
um, of God uh, to mankind. Verse 15, so it was. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So it's interesting, the shepherds knew, because they paid attention to the angel, of where the Savior was born, the city of David. So after the angels depart, they went ahead to Bethlehem. Praise the Lord, right? They went ahead to Bethlehem, and we see that it says here, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. So we understand this is faith, which the Lord has made known to us. I love that. You know, Christmas isn't something that you and I can come up and, uh, you know, come up with a story on our own. It's not about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty the Snowman or, or any of that. Those are wonderful, neat things. Just don't let that stuff get distorted to Jesus Christ, the Messiah who was sent. Amen? And we live in a world that has made Christmas. My goodness. Uh, and I know some of you have done this. I'm very proud of you. When somebody says, Happy Holidays, you say, Thank you. You guys are awesome. You're amazing. I love it. Um, but you know what I've discovered this week? When I say Merry Christmas back to them, even though they said Happy Holidays, they'll say Merry Christmas back to you. Get the real meaning of Christmas in there any way we can, right? But they knew it was from the Lord. They knew this encounter they had with this angel of the Lord and, and the glory of God in their midst and the heavenly host praising God. They knew this is from the Lord. Remember who these shepherds were. They weren't praise and worshipers every day. They were dirty, rotten scoundrels. But they knew this was of the Lord. Verse 16 says, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Oh, this is amazing. So certainly we have a supernatural, natural byproduct of seeing Jesus. They saw him in the manger. They saw him, and they had this encounter then with Jesus. And again, the most natural thing to do is, number one, marvel, and then tell others about him. Um, that word marvel, meaning being amazed. You know, sometimes even for the most devout believers, we, you know, you can, you can get so busy in life, especially in December especially in this two-week period where you have the holidays, you have family, you have things you've got to get done, the hustle and bustle of it all. And we can lose out on the marvel of what it's all about. I, I think of this word marvel, and I think of my life before Jesus, and I want you to think about your life before Jesus, how horrible it was. No. What about Christmas? What about Christmas? How did you 
view Christmas before you came to know the Lord. Before I came to know the Lord, Christmas was just like, let's get it done. All gifts, all that stuff is great, but it, man, you got to deal with the wrapping paper and just it's all hustle and bustle. You got to, you're busy, even as kids. And that's what I remember is all, you know, certainly love getting together with family and all those, just amazing. And all that's important, very important. We should never take for granted celebrating Christmas with our family, most vital. But before Jesus, obviously after coming to Jesus, we have a different perspective of Christmas. And I think the Lord would want us to marvel You know, to experience continuously the wonder of it all. And it is an unfortunate thing that as we grow older, sometimes that dims. But it doesn't have to dim. We can marvel because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. I love what the angel said. You know, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you. Christmas is personal for every one of us. It's a time to marvel. It's a time to reflect on the goodness and faithfulness of God. And if you have never confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, it's time for you to say, yes, he is my Lord. He was sent for me. He's my Savior. Continuing on then in verse 20, then the shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen as it was told them. Could you imagine the, the joy the, uh, of sharing Jesus and telling people that they saw him and telling people of uh, what they saw, the glory of God with an angel of the Lord, speaking these things that the Christ, the Lord, was, was born. And that's usually where we stop the Christmas message. But let's, let's continue reading on, shall we? And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so we have here Jesus brought to the temple to be circumcised on the eighth day. We know that's the day of circumcision. We understand that Jesus then, after the purification of Mary according to Leviticus 12, this would be 40 days later at least 40 days later. And they bring Jesus to the temple to be dedicated as a, according to the law. And we have a, 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 just a glorious thing happen here in the temple. Verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Isn't that amazing? 
This is glorious. This, this is God using this man, Simeon, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, we understand in the Old Testament when the Holy Spirit, he, he came upon people, God's people. But we also understand that, you know, the Holy Spirit would depart. In the New Testament, ministry of the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit who comes upon. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, and he'll never depart because we're true believers. But how magnificent that God, through the Holy Spirit, told this man Simeon as he was waiting for the Messiah. He's just, he's devout. That means he's righteous. He's devout to the Lord. Looking for the coming Messiah as the prophets proclaimed. And he's told by the Lord that he would not depart from this earth until he saw the Messiah. That's a wow moment when you read that, when you chew on this. That God would reveal himself to man in such a way. But again, this should make us marvel because doesn't God reveal himself to you and I as believers in the same way via the Holy Spirit? Maybe not like that, that we read, but it's the same God. It's the same Holy Spirit. And we have received revelation from God, from his word, his son. We receive revelation from God from His Word, the Holy Spirit. And just as Simeon was waiting for the fulfillment of the Messiah to come, you and I are waiting for the coming of the Lord. It's interesting when you watch kids open up presents at Christmas. And as adults, we've got to use every, everything we can to bring up every spiritual thing, even when they're opening up the gifts. And when they're just going like crazy, opening up them gifts or whatever, you just got and I did this, the anticipation of opening these gifts is so wonderful. It's the anticipation we should have for the Lord, knowing that he's going to come. And there's going to be a day that he sets up his kingdom, and it's going to be righteous because he's righteous. It's going to be as the Lord has planned. We should be living with this anticipation just as Simeon was waiting on the Lord. And what a wonderful promise to him that he would not see death until he would see the Lord's Christ. And it continues, verse 27. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. Now this, again, is another point of Marvel. Not only did God, through the Holy Spirit, tell Simeon that he was going to see the Messiah, he also allows him to pick up the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? I mean, don't you get a picture in your mind of this Simeon, this prophet who was waiting on the Lord? He, he takes the baby, Jesus, eight days old, and he lifts him up to the Lord part of dedication and consecration. You know, I think of that and chew on that and just marvel at the relationship that this man had with God. But then I also marvel that God did this for you and I, to have a relationship with him, to, for him to be a personal God. God knew all along that 
the Messiah would come. He would go to the cross to pay for man's sin. And that for all who would confess the name of Jesus Christ, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord, they would be saved. And why? Because he desires a relationship with each one of us. He desires to be our God. He desires that we follow him with our life as he is our life. Now, as Simeon lifted up baby Jesus to God, verse 29 says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So this is, this is heavy in the temple. How awesome for Simeon to be lifting up Jesus. And then remember the spirit of the Lord upon him, declaring the truth of the ministry in which the Savior would have, that he would go to the cross. You see, the cross is part of the Christmas story. You can't separate it. Verse 36 tells us, Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineal, the tribe of Asher. And she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow, of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I love reading of Simeon and this prophetess of Anna, 84 years, a widow, living in the temple, Serving God, praying to God, ministering to people. And I think, again, the personal God that we have. His delight for us to live for Him, to be right, to be just. And we only know that happens through the grace of God, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We have prophecy fulfilled with the coming of the Messiah. We also have prophecy in the Christmas story that Jesus would go to the cross. And we understand that on that cross when he died and after he died, Jesus was pierced. And we know that water and blood came out. And we know the reason why Jesus went to the cross. For our salvation. This morning, part of our Christmas celebration and recognizing and acknowledging Christ our Savior was born, we are going to partake of communion. And so if we could get the guys to, to man your stations.
And I just want to remind us, as we take a time of reflection, just as Jesus was in the temple, and just as, as Simeon was sharing these things regarding the Savior, and how Joseph and Mary marveled, it reminds me that communion, partaking of the Lord's Supper, it should be a celebration, not gloom and doom. It should be a celebration of what Christ Jesus has done for us. And so we're going to have a time of reflection um, in accordance with the Scriptures. Just each one of us go before the Lord as individuals but also corporately. And I encourage you, wherever you are in your relationship with God, if there's conflict, let Him deal with you now because He is full of grace and love and mercy He's tender, and he's proven that, right? The fact that Jesus came proves the love of God that he has for us. So we're going to have a time of reflection in the Lord, and then we'll take communion together. Hello, this is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the Word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com. That's PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Church website is CalvaryChapelFaithFellowship.org. There you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.